Coming to you from Brick House in downtown Brooklyn, this is 112BK. On the show today, Borough President Eric Adams is going to be fielding some questions by phone. Black Lives Matter meets our own Brick Open Festival and BAM's New Voices in Black Cinema Festival. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Ashley Ford, here with my producer, Ross Tuttle. Ross, did you know that some states celebrate a Confederate Memorial Day? I feel like I did know that. Sadly. Mm. Alabama's was Monday. Mississippi's is next Monday. Florida's is tomorrow, which is Thursday. South Carolina's is next month. They're basically commemorating and honoring the secession movement, which was motivated in order to preserve slavery by their own admission. Right. So I knew you were going to talk about this. So I did a bit of research and found some of their stated and admitted justifications mm -hmm. uh, for this. In this case, Alabama's for seceding and joining the Confederacy. They were a little pissed off that uh, Abraham Lincoln was elected mm -hmm. president. Uh, they said it's nothing less than an open declaration of war. And then they added, what southern man, be he slaveholder or non-slaveholder, can without indignation or horror contemplate the triumph of Negro equality? Ain't that something. And what did you say? You said. <laughs> oh, I said a real Southern man. A real Southern man might is be able that to kind of man. To be perfectly honest, That's you know, right. if other people being equal makes you feel less than, then it's a real personal problem, ain't it? That's true. That's true. Well, so I guess hate is in bloom this season, this mm. spring. Um, you also saw the anti-Semitic attacks I in did. Berlin, and then the solidarity demonstrations where marchers donned kippahs, went to the streets. Mm -hmm. well, at least that was heartening. But then there were two such attacks recently in Brooklyn. Yes. Yes. You, you Which, uh-huh. You were saying something about when we were talking off camera about energy and the energy expended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I honestly can't imagine expending the amount of energy it would take to hate someone based off of something as arbitrary as ethnicity, religious affiliation, color of their skin. We're, we're going to have our borough president, Eric Adams, yeah. come on and talk about that in a moment. In fact, I think we may have him on the phone now. Mr. President, are you there? Hello. Hi, Mr. President. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. How are you? Fantastic. So, Mr. President, can you tell us what's known about the recent anti-Semitic attacks in Crown Heights? Do we know who is responsible for that? At this time, uh, the police department is still investigating. Uh, there were actually two incidents. Mm -hmm. The latest incident was caught on video, and the police department is looking at it as a possible hate crime. And the investigation is still active at this time. Wow. And, uh, and so I saw in your press release you've put out notice. At, sorry, this is Ross Tuttle, a producer on the show, that you've put out a press release asking for the public to contribute anything they can to the, um, anything they know, might know about the attack. Yeah, it's, so, it's so important that um, with cases like this, um, when you have video surveillance, uh, if anyone uh, recognizes the person, who actually carried out the act or saw the person walking by them, and those additional leads help put the pieces to the puzzle to solve the crime. Mm -hmm. uh, the a silent uh, individual also announced that they are given $50,000 in reward money to anyone who comes forward with the ability to apprehend this person who's responsible. And so we really need right now, if someone saw something, we need them to say something and do something by picking up the phone, calling the police, or they can call uh, my office, the borough president's office, or any of the other elected officials 
to give them the information, and we'll make sure that the police department uh, receives that information. Mr. President, what are you hearing from the community? Are people worried about this? Are they thinking, you know, in these times, people are, are very, very concerned about hate crimes and attacks based on identity? Um, are people feeling okay, or are they feeling less safe? Well, nothing is more horrific than to have an individual that you greet in a cordial fashion and say hello, and that person turns around to grab you and assault you. You can only imagine how traumatizing that is. Uh, but the attack and the assault was not only an assault on one person, but it was assault on the entire community. Um, over 20 years ago, um, we came together after the Crown Heights riot, and many of us felt it was needed to really build bridges and to heal the wounds and ensure that we can continue to live together as one community, no matter how many different cultures are there. You have over 15,000 uh, Jewish Hasidic members of the Jewish community and over 150,000 African-American Caribbean members of the community. They are living in harmony and unison. Um, after those riots, we learned a lot from that. And when you have something like this take, that would take place, it traumatized and it could set us back if we don't stand up and say this is not the Crown Heights that we know and this is not the Crown Heights that the overwhelming majority of people want to be a part of. Mr. President, to change the subject real quick, and I know we don't have a lot of time, uh, yesterday, Tuesday, there were special elections for some state Senate seats, and Democrats were hoping for wins that would give them a legislative majority, which they've basically never enjoyed in modern times. But before the votes were even counted, Brooklyn State Senator Simcha Felter, a Democrat, who wasn't even on a ballot, said that no matter what the outcome, he'd continue to caucus with Republicans, giving them the majority at least until June. As someone who used to work in that chamber yourself, I was wondering, could you talk a little bit about the significance of that decision? It's very significant um, when you think about uh, having the majority and what it means. When you are in the majority in the state Senate, as we learned the short period of time, we took over the uh, Senate majority, we being the Democrats, there are uh, hundreds of millions of dollars that New York City did not receive because we only had uh, two Republican senators at the time, Senator Golden, and we had uh, Senator uh, Lanza out on Staten Island. So New York City was shortchanged hundreds of millions of dollars, and in some cases over a billion dollars in um, some of the capital projects that could have found their way here. And legislation. Uh, you need both houses, the Senate and the Assembly, to come together to pass legislation that the governor signs off on. But if you don't have in house a house that fully understands uh, what New York City uh, needs, then you're going to find all of those resources going to the northern part of the state or out on Long Island. And so for, for far too many years, the Republicans have been in control. And now that we have an opportunity to combine all houses, you have one state senator who, ironically, the Republicans drew the district through gerrymandering that the governor mm -hmm. signed off on. They drew the district so this one senator can be um, uh, beholden to them. And that's what he's doing. He's living up to you know, the fact that they made the district, they made him a senator, and I believe he feels obligated to be with them. Wow.
Well, Mr. President, thank you so much for your time. I deeply appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate both of you. Take care. Thanks a lot. On the show today, festivals. First, we're going to talk about the Brick Open Festival. This year's theme, Borders. And we'll be breaking them down with Darnell Moore, Black Lives Matter and LGBTQ activist. And then, BAM's got a festival of its own, New Voices in Black Cinema. Don't go away. The Brick Open is a festival dedicated to exploring creativity, inclusion, and community, and it seeks to bring people together to radically imagine a more equitable future. The theme of this year's fest is Borders, celebrating our capacity to create connections across boundaries. Opening night will feature a conversation between activist and film director Paolo Mendoza and writer and activist Darnell Moore. Darnell has more accolades and titles than can be recited here, but in short, he's been a civil rights stalwart for the LGBTQ community and with Black Lives Matter. And we're so thrilled to have him on the show today. Darnell, welcome to 112BK. Glad to be here. So happy to have you. And the, fe and the organizer of the festival, Emily Harney, Brick's Deputy Director of Programming Initiatives, thank you so much for joining us, thank Emily. You. Emily, I actually want to start with you. Can you remind us, because I know we've had you on here before to talk a little bit sure. about Open Festival, but what is it? Where does it come from? Absolutely. So it's a four-day arts and ideas festival that, as you said, sort of stems from uh, BRIC's multidisciplinary nature, so programs in music, performance, art, uh, conversation, film, you know, mm -hmm. all across. Um, and it really highlights the parts of our mission that are about inclusion and access, opening up access and creating inclusive platforms for people to respond to things that are going on in the world, mm -hmm. and also reflecting the diversity of the borough. Yes. Um, and so each year, uh, there's, there's sort of a sub-theme of the festival that um, is spawned by the gallery exhibition at the time. So this year uh, in the gallery is an exhibition called Bordering the Imaginary, mm -hmm. art from Haiti, the Dominican Republic, and their diasporas. Um, and that exhibition really takes on this idea of borders as both a real and imagined space. Mm -hmm. And so for the festival this year, we're using that as its sort of grounding theme and then taking that idea of borders and expanding it even beyond that one border. I love that. I really love it. It's really timely and so appropriate. Darnell, how did you become involved? Tell me, and what excited you about the idea of being involved with Open Festival? Yeah, well, first, I'm a resident of Brooklyn. I live in Bed-Stuy. So um, to me, it's really critical for any of us who call ourselves um, artists, cultural workers, organizers, to be very present in the communities in which we live. So that's one. Um, but I was really excited also about the theme. Um, you know, borders in, in my mind are these things that are, are political machinations, these mm -hmm. things that we create um, to divide um, and, dare I say, you know, colonize space. Mm. Um, but to, to imagine borders as these things that we create, not just politically, but mm -hmm. also in our lives, mm -hmm. um, and a way that we can transcend or, or even to demolish those borders, to me, is mm -hmm. critical at this moment, right? Um, so in my work, uh, whether that is the work that I do as a writer, the work I do as an organizer, as a cultural worker, it is about figuring out how we can speak to be in conversation and speak across uh, difference, differences in ways in which we can celebrate them, as black feminists mm -hmm. like to say, right? Mm -hmm. um, and use those differences as a, as a means to be engaged with one another, not to be afraid to talk or to do violence. So that's why I'm here. I want to, you know, feel figure out how we can extend the theme right. um, into yeah. our everyday lives. Yeah, That's even so the theme of borders, you know, the um, 
we're thinking really beyond the geopolitical and beyond nation. Mm -hmm. And I think I had a foundational experience um, hearing uh, playwright Louis Salfaro talk mm -hmm. about um, the fluidity of gender and the way that he was talking about it really made me think about the way that 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 idea could be extended, that fluidity could be extended to other areas like mm -hmm. like politics and uh, personal private relationships and other borders that are in our lives. And so I feel like the hope is that by looking at the topic through, through all these different lenses that you might hear something in one context that speaks to something in another context, and mm -hmm. even the division between those things gets broken down. Oh, absolutely. And there's, you know, I think a lot of broad language just around the festival. It's the open festival, and you're talking about borders, and those things can be interpreted in so many different, you know, creative ways. But it makes me wonder, you know, what's the process like of actually then curating and programming, you know, at, at the very large event? with such broad terms. Well, it's certainly a huge team effort. Mm -hmm. You gave me credit at the beginning as the organizer, but it's, that's not really um, <laughs> true to the true to the experience at all. Um, I work a lot across all of BRICS disciplines with all of our program teams, and every single one of them contributed ideas to this, as well as the broader staff. Mm -hmm. um, so we try to have that be as inclusive a process as we can. And we're in the second year of the festival, and I think you know in the future that'll expand even further, hopefully. So it's, you know, a broad team that brings ideas to the table. It's fantastic. And just, you know, being at Brick, I know how Brick works. Everybody's got Isn't a little well. bit of something <laughs> and something. Everybody's always working together. And Darnell, you have a really, really rich history of collaborating with different organizations, different publications, different people, just trying to, like, forward the mission of social justice, not just in this country, but around the world, and very specifically for black folks and for LGBTQ, LGBTQ folks like me and like you, um, which makes me wonder, you know, how does the programming fit into the lens of how you see the world? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, when I think about language like borders and borders and openness, mm -hmm. it, it does bring to mind fluidity. It brings to mind a notion of queerness. Mm -hmm. Queerness not as a sexual identity, but queerness as a politic, which is mm -hmm. all about erasing boundaries, mm -hmm. erasing hierarchies. Um, and, and or as Jose Muniz said, who's now um, no longer with us, but his definitely his words and spirits are, to be queer is to to um, imagine that which is not yet here, mm -hmm. which I think is a remarkable thing. Black radicalism. I always say, you know, black cool and black radicalism was queer before queer was cool. Oh. Right, so black radicalism, black politics is yes. all about imagining a world that we not have, that we don't yet have hold of. Mm -hmm. um, that's what you know, the black radical imagination, as our you know, as um, so many of the the historians who have paved the way for our work have come to lay out. So for me and my work, um, I, it's for me, it isn't just about imagining the things that are. Um, are, you know, raising the situations that and the systems that are are now here that are do us wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. It's about imagining what needs to be um, built in those in, in its place. Whether that is gender frames that no longer work for us, right, mm -hmm. and imagining the ways that we can be in the world um, outside of those things, or whether it's like ridding ourselves of all the institutions and the processes and all the structures and all the you know this word this this language even sounds fancy mm -hmm. right um, but the everyday aspects of our lives that keep everyday people down mm 
You know, and honestly, when you were talking about what it means to to move, to think about borders in this way, I thought about what me getting on the A train every day, and I said, you know, we also radical, but I remember going to protest and getting on trains and feeling convicted, going on my way to protest because I did not speak to the people that I was sitting in front of my neighbors on my way to be radical. Mm -hmm. Ain't that something? Right. So radicalism. Um, in the way that I imagine it is that work. It is love. It is love is the energy that eliminates the space that exists between you and I, mm -hmm. between us and the other. Isn't that what borders mm -hmm. uh, demolishment is all about? Mm -hmm. right? How dare you can see why we chose him to open the festival. How <laughs> dare he come on my show? Oh no. <laughs> And talk like this. I love it. I love it. Seriously, your, the way your brain works is exactly how I wish more of our brains worked, um, just in its ability to see the value in openness, to be perfectly honest. Emily, in a nutshell, why should people come out? To be with other people, to, yeah. mm -hmm. to, you know, to be in the same space, to have um, art available to them that can open up that space for imagining a, a different future, another way of being, um, mm -hmm. and give them something to gather around and to, to meet with each other. Um, one of the exciting opportunities that we'll have in the festival is something called the portal. It's like a inflatable room that you can walk into and um, video conference with people in Iraq and Afghanistan and Mexico City mm -hmm. and Honduras. And, you know, so even beyond this building, you can be with people across the world and during mm -hmm. this festival. And that's awesome. I think that's the goal. And what are the official dates again, one more time? April 26th through the 29th. So tomorrow mm -hmm. night, uh, Thursday, April 26th through Sunday, April 29th. And it's here? It's here. It's here. Mm -hmm. All they have Brick to do house. is come to Brick House. Thank you so much for being here and for taking the time to talk about the Open Festival and, you know, I guess organizing it. <laughs> um, and Darnell, again, always a pleasure to hear anything coming out of your mouth and coming out of that beautiful, beautiful brain. <laughs> I appreciate you both so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Up next, new voices in black cinema. Here's a preview. And what about you, Bruce? What do you do? Actor, writer, director, I paint with images. Renaissance man. Mm. Terrence pregnant. Do you know the guy? I just need a little lift off money. I know you're pocketing some of your social security. Brooklyn has become a haven for black filmmakers. We've spoken with some on this show, and until recently they've had few dedicated places to showcase their work. One of those places is a Brooklyn-born, Brooklyn-based festival now in its eighth year. It's called New Voices in Black Cinema, and it's happening at BAM this weekend. We're happy to have with us today its lead curator, Karen McMullen. From the Act Now Foundation, welcome to 112VK, Karen. Thank you. And the director, star, and writer of one of the films that will be screened called Bruce. Welcome, Brooklyn Tech alum, Eden Mary Show. Thank you. I just got goosebumps. Did you get goosebumps? Yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> Karen, you're in your eighth year with mm -hmm. the festival. How did the festival even originally come about? Well, it started as a short film series that was screened around Brooklyn, and uh, BAM saw the value in having uh, black content, and they picked mm -hmm. us up eight years ago. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And eight years is a long time to be able to keep something going, especially around here. <laughs> because, listen, there are bodegas that open up in my neighborhood and are gone in eight months. So eight years is a lot. And Eden, can you talk about the community, specifically of black filmmakers and actors in Brooklyn, and what the importance of a festival like this is for you? Uh, it's 
any outlet for our work because there isn't, there aren't that many right. outlets um, that support truthful, you know, films mm-hmm. um, that represent, you know, the black experience, the American experience, whatever, you know, yes, just absolutely. being black or brown. Um, so it means everything. I was talking to Karen earlier, and I was like, I have a bunch of friends that have films in the festival, and just talking about how the longer you're in this, just the smaller the, the, the community gets. Yeah. So super important. I mean, it's more of that longevity, right, to yeah. be able to maintain your passion for yes. that kind of work. Um, especially with limited resources and limited access, as you know. Mm-hmm. Karen, how hard is it when you get all of these submissions to a festival like this to narrow them down? Well, um, quality is important. Mm-hmm. You know, different. There are a lot of film festivals out. There are a lot of uh, niche film festivals, mm-hmm. and some have requirements that things have to be premieres or you know certain um, parameters that they mm-hmm. work in. We just want good stuff. Right. So um, to find the really really good stuff, it's not actually that hard to narrow it down. Right. To tell you the truth. <laughs> but so I go around to different film festivals. I go out to Sundance. I screen mm-hmm. some stuff. Um, it's filmmakers I know. You know, I saw Bruce yeah. at uh, the Urban World Film Festival, first yeah. of all, yeah. and then I ran into him in Sundance right. in a van uh, doing his own in promotion. A van. He was he in a van. I'll let you tell the story. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, tell me about this. So basically, um, we got into ABFF. We won the Grand Jury Prize, Best mm-hmm. Director. We got into Urban World, and that's where I met you the first time. And then we didn't get into Sundance, hmm. and we felt the film deserved to be at Sundance. So we, we rented a van in Vegas, drove it to Park City. We wrapped it with these magnets that said Bruce is an, is an a-hole, the kind of, like, tagline for the film. And then we would drive around giving people free rides all over Park City, um, screening the film on this 32-inch television inside. That is probably the most creative yeah. promotional campaign for a film I've ever heard Thank of you. in my be, entire life. I wouldn't be in the festival because I lost your information at Urban World, and mm-hmm. you were like, I told you to send me the film. I want to see it. I want to see it. And so then you didn't see it until after Sundance or at Sundance. No, I'd seen it originally at Urban World. Okay, mm-hmm. but then you lost your information. Yes. That's how you came back together. Tell me about Bruce. Um, Bruce... Is a story, is a coming of age story about a guy who's too old to come of age, mm-hmm. and as just speaking about like brown and, and black people, I was just like brown black black people. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we don't get a chance a lot of times to just tell just an average story. Mm-hmm. Like oh, you yeah. can put anybody in this part. This is just a, a this is about an irresponsible, coddled guy <laughs> who needs to grow up, right. and that's actually what makes it unique. Right. I lo- no, I love that. I love the idea that it's a normal story because, you know, everything isn't 12 years a slave or hidden figures. Like, some things are just normal people living normal lives, and they're still incredibly compelling, important stories. How did you feel when you saw Bruce for the first time? Well, I thought it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. I was not alone. It was very well received at Urban World. And it is one of the things I like about it. It's, um, you know, we have in the festival, we have some really important historical documentaries, stories that absolutely need to be told. There's a film starring Toni Morrison doing a, um, a bit about her exhibit in Paris about others and immigrants. Mm-hmm. We have Sammy Davis Jr. and Maynard Jackson, a documentary about all these people, but which is part of the black story, but so is 
just the everyman, you know? Absolutely. And the lovable everyman. So it's, it's just nice to be able to laugh as well yeah. as be educated. Absolutely, and every woman knows a Bruce. Gotta say, <laughs> that is a fact. Every woman knows a Bruce. Now, when I'm a writer, um, yeah. I write memoir essays and things like that. When I write things, I know that I always have a person in my mind, or at, like even if it's a like a person who I've kind of made up. Do you have a person in mind when you write something like Bruce? Um, yes, Bruce is very much about like just weird experiences blown up. Yeah. <laughs> Almost as like, like balls of the wall kind of thing. And my friend Jesse and I, who wrote it, mm -hmm. we were at a time where we were like, oh, this story is wild. What about this story? Mm -hmm. um, and then you just pull from friends' personalities, mm -hmm. you know, and you just put it into this, this guy and you, you try to make him likable. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think he's likable? I think what makes him likable, maybe at the end, is the fact that I think people can see themselves in it. Because everybody has a little a-hole side. Yeah. We all got it. Yeah. We all got it. No, I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not going to tell on myself today, <laughs> yeah. but I, yeah. I will say I know what you mean. <laughs> um, so, Karen, let me ask you, with the success of a film like Black Panther, mm -hmm. um, people are so excited about Black Panther. The movie was fantastic. Mm -hmm. The movie has obviously killed records. Mm -hmm. Are we thinking that the success of something like that and what it does for diverse casting, or at the very least inclusive casting, maybe even a, just appropriate casting, um, are we thinking that there will be an effect in film in general where hopefully people start taking black films more seriously? Well, um I think people always have taken black films seriously. It just mm -hmm. hasn't been so widespread. Right. I think uh, what Black Panther proved is that people, not just black people, are willing to see stories about black people. Mm -hmm. That's the same as Hidden Figures. Right. And um, I think it's a, a mistake. I think it's underestimating the mainstream, audi the mainstream audience, white audiences. Mm -hmm. You know, we go see—everybody's always gone to see pictures about— Anybody, you know, right. I have my, some of my favorite films are starring white men, and it, I'm in love with the character, not because he's white. You know, right. go, people go see Avatar; those people are blue. Yeah. So you can come see, you know, <laughs> you, can go, you can go see, uh, you can come see. So I think that it's just kind of an aha moment for Hollywood. But not independent, for us. independent film, and black yeah. folks have always sought out our own pictures, and Asian folks and Latino. All have their own filmmaking um, tendency or you know legacies yes. and, and histories and venues, and they've always seen their own. It just hasn't been on the broader stage. Absolutely. Now tell me, as someone who is now deeply interested in coming and checking out some of these films, how do oh, I do what? that? Well, I happen to have that information. <laughs> Go to uh, bam.org mm -hmm. backslash backslash new voices. Mm -hmm. And you can buy tickets in advance. Some people have sold a lot of tickets in advance. Um, <laughs> Brooklyn, some yes, come through. Things do sell out, so mm -hmm. we uh, recommend getting your tickets in advance online. But there are tickets available at the door as well, so please Band. come through. Org. Yep, it's running Thursday. It's tomorrow, the 26th through the 29th. Fantastic. And um, excuse me, Eden, yes. but if someone specifically wanted to come check out the lovable asshole Bruce, yes. how do they do that? They can they can go to BAM.org, and mm -hmm. we'll, our screening is tomorrow at 9.15. Tomorrow at 9.15? Yes, yes. 
tomorrow, Thursday. Tomorrow, tonight. Thursday. Yes. Thursday at 9.15. That's right. Thank you both so much for being here, for sharing your you. gifts with us. You, this gift of eight years. You, this gift of at least one film. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Thank Ashley. you so much. And that's the show for today. Tomorrow we'll talk with a reporter about ICE enforcement at the border. We'll look at Brooklyn as a wedding hub, and summer's coming. Can you feel it? Not today, probably. <laughs> but in preparation, we'll speak with an organization that's teaching kids from minority communities to swim. Hope you can join us. 112BK is hosted by me, Ashley C. Ford, and is written and produced by Ross Tuttle. It's also produced by Fred Brown, Shireen Bargi, Emily Bogosian, Naeem Van, Kritzi Roberts, Charmaine Lamb, and is edited by Clinton Filson Jr. and Kyrell Palmer. Our show is recorded by Eric Hagasak, Antonio Rosario, Leslie Hayes, and Steve DeSev. And our theme music was composed and produced by Brad Parker. Our executive producers are Aziz Aisham, Jonathan Leaf, and Sasha Mathias.